0: to locked on nfl your daily podcast on the national football league on the number one daily sports podcast network today's episode of locked on nfl is brought to you by built bar remember promo code locked on gets you ten dollars off your first box of built bars and a special this week five more dollars off memorial week special go to builtbar.com brian peacock here along with matt williamson We're talking Denver Broncos, AFC West today. Did the Broncos close the gap to those Kansas City Chiefs? And we'll be talking to you. No, it's not Adam Schefter, although it might sound like him. Our guest today is Cody Rourke. He is the host of Locked on Broncos, doing big things over there. I've seen the numbers grow. Cody, you even have some video elements going, which we have not incorporated into the Locked on NFL or the Locked on 49ers podcast that I also host. Um, How's life going for you in quarantine? And have you had fun with the extra bit of time maybe to be in-house and work on your studio setup and, and put up some videos for the folks out there at Locked on Broncos?
1: Yeah, you know, it's been fun and and for me, I you know, I like to stay busy. For me, if I sit and I have idle time on my hands, was obviously, you know, you can't do much with the whole quarantine, especially in Colorado right now. Uh, so I've been committing a lot of time to doing film studies. I I watch a lot of film, so I figured I should bring it out in some sort of format for people to be able to see. So, you know, I do a film breakdowns on on Broncos players currently, and we've got through I think about forty players so far on film that we've done breakdowns on. So uh, you know, obviously exciting things ahead and take a look at some of the rookies that they got. And so, you know, it's been fun doing the video portion of it as well, because uh, as you mentioned, you know, we're, we're audio every single day. But, you know, adding another element, I think, is going to create more exposure overall to the work that we do here on the Locked On Network.
2: I love Go, it. That's really good stuff. And I think the Broncos are super interesting. And I just want to get your take right off the bat on the quarterback situation. I mean, I think you could look at lock. Obviously, they're all in on lock. And I think you could look at that as a very optimistic way from a fan's perspective and say they believe in him. I believe in him. They won four out of five with him at the end of last year. He's got a lot of ability. I'm a little more skeptical, not necessarily the player, but it shocks me that they weren't in the Andy Dalton type market.
1: Well, I think that we've seen the Broncos try to go with some of those veteran guys, you know, year after year the last couple of seasons, and it hasn't really worked out for them. And and really, the Broncos they didn't have any interest in Andy Dalton. You know, they've been locked into Drew Locke, pun intended, there, uh, and it's because of you know winning four out of five games. You know, that's not a big enough sample size to be on the determination of saying, look, this is the fr- franchise quarterback. This is going to be the guy to lead your team in the future. Uh, however, what he displayed in that five games was a lot more in terms of just outside of stat production and. Not obviously. Obviously, I think the wins are important, but just the way that he led the football team, the way that he inspired the rest of the players on offense and also the defense. I mean, he inspired the Broncos defense and a lot of players like Von Miller were really fired up when Drew Locke got into the starting lineup because there was a different energy to him uh, that you didn't see. You look at Joe Flacco, who was the starter for the first part of the season for the Broncos. He just didn't have any kind of passion to him. And, And when you look at Drew Locke, he's young, he's fired up, and that just gets guys going. And I think the one thing that we noticed with Drew Locke is just his decision making got better overall week to week. You know, he had that debut game against the Los Angeles Chargers, And then the next week he goes into Houston and absolutely just torches the Texans defense after they beat the new England Patriots on Sunday night football the week prior. So it was almost like, what do the Broncos have here with drew lock? And I think that for him going into 2020, he's got to take it one game at a time. I think you really got to evaluate that. And I, you know, I think right now, I think Broncos fans are relatively excited, but it's going to be a big year for lock to continue to prove that maybe he could be the guy for the future. But I think this is gonna be a telling year
2: for him. Cody, real quick, I, I I didn't phrase that properly. I mean, when I when I mentioned Dalton, I I meant more of a veteran backup mentor type, yeah. even a Josh McCown type, you know?
1: Yeah. So I think um, you look at that with Jeff Driscoll, too. Obviously, Jeff Driscoll is not a really solidified NFL veteran, but in comparison to Drew Locke, yeah. uh, It was really intriguing, and I think the biggest ploy for them to look at a guy like Jeff Driscoll over guys like Andy Dalton, I know at the time, it was one of the first free agency moves that the Broncos made was Jeff Driscoll. I imagine they would have tried to make a play maybe for a Marcus Mariota or maybe even Case Keenum, uh, who liked it in Denver, but obviously it was short-lived coming in and having an expectation of being the starter. So I figured with the bringing in of Pat Trimmer as the offensive coordinator, I think a lot of Broncos fans and analysts were looking at maybe Case Keenum coming back due to the familiarity there, and he'd be a great guy to have in the locker room to back up uh, Drew Locke and also be a guy to show him the ropes a little bit. Uh, so for Jeff Driscoll, it's almost kind of like that pressure uh, where it's not really on Drew Locke necessarily if he struggles in 2020 because with Jeff Driscoll, uh, you know, he played in the in a tough NFC North division last year with Detroit. He got hurt against I believe it was against the Chicago Bears, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so for him, he's you know, he's one of those guys that if Drew Locke is struggling, fans aren't gonna be calling for Jeff Driscoll, right? But I think if you had a guy like Case Keenum or a guy like Andy Dalton, if Drew Locke was struggling, I think there'd be uh the the loud stadium in mile high, you know, booing if the Broncos offense isn't, you know, having a lot of success as they've done in the past. Um, And I think that there would be a little bit of pressure for calling for the veteran guy to come in and replace him. So uh, I don't think that is the, the approach the Broncos want, especially with John LA, they want to take some of the licks that they have. And I think that surrounding drew lock with some of the talent offensively, and then also building on the defense, I think is going to take a little bit of pressure off of him. And hopefully that's the case.
0: I could see that. You don't want the guy that it's nice to have a veteran there to help a young quarterback out, but you don't want someone there that people are going to be clamoring for. And Hey, If I was clamoring for another quarterback on the roster, it might be Brett Rippon. I loved him coming out of Boise. I was surprised that he didn't at least get drafted late. Is there a chance that he's a long-term backup there? And because, look, I've seen a lot of Jeff Driscoll. I saw him drafted in San Francisco, and I would not be excited about having him as my number three, let alone my number two. What about Brett Rippon? A chance that he gets in there and is a long-term number two for the Broncos? Well, that's the hope. And I think that's something that John Elway really invested in because Brett Ripon came in as an undrafted
1: free agent. And the Broncos gave him a, a pretty high salary as an undrafted free agent. And so earlier on in 2019, when they had to make the move to bring Locke off IR, they had to release Brett Rippon, and then they reclaimed him after he cleared waivers. And so they do like him. They do hope that maybe in the future he could be that backup to Drew Locke almost in a kind of a sense, and I hate to use this comparison, but the Broncos view it as they hope that Brett Rippon could be a guy like Gary Kubiak was to John Elway. Way back in the day, if Drew Locke is in fact the franchise guy there. So, Brett Rippin, there is some promise with him, and, and John Elway wants to develop him a lot further. Um, and so, I think that maybe that might be the plan for the organization going forward. But obviously, with Jeff Driscoll right here, he's got a little bit more NFL experience. So, if something were to happen to Drew Locke, I think that they turn it over to a guy like Driscoll that has had some promising things on tape. But, you know, overall, I think the consistency hasn't been there for Driscoll. But in this offense with Pat Shurm, I think they find that he might be one of those player profile fits that could maybe learn the offense and be effective if, in fact, Drew Locke were to get hurt. So hopefully that doesn't happen. But, yeah, I think the Broncos do have plans for Brett Rippon in the future uh, to be the long-term backup.
2: Cody, we have to talk about these skill position players, but I want to chat a little O-line with you first. I mean, I'm worried about Garrett Bowles, to be honest with you. But I saw Mike Munchak firsthand here year after year in Pittsburgh work his magic. And there's a lot of talent on this line, including Bulls. But, you know, Juwan James, who they paid big money for a year ago. But I really like the interior. I mean, Dalton Rizner, to me, is a keeper at left guard. You draft Cushionberry and Muty. Like, I didn't put two and two together that they added Muty as well. That if he stays healthy, I think he's a starting guard all day long. And then Glass now penciled in the guard, but he could bump into center of Cushionberry struggles. So I think that could really be a strength.
1: Yeah, they have a lot of depth right now. And a lot of Broncos are saying the Broncos offensive line was one of the weaker points. But the reality is it got stronger. They improved under Mike Munchek noticeably last year. You know, Garrett Bowles, the biggest thing for him is he struggled with a few penalties. Uh, you know, I believe he had 17 total penalties altogether. I think 10 of them were accepted. So he had seven that were declined. Uh, But outside of that, I think the discipline, you know, we saw when Drew Locke got inserted in the starting line of week 13, the offensive line as a whole, they played a lot better because Drew Locke was a guy who was getting the ball out of his hands quickly. When you look at Joe Flacco, I mean, there were times throughout the first part of the season where Joe Flacco – was holding on to the ball way too long, and also his initial drop back was a lot deeper you know if he had a five step drop he 'd take an initial six to seven step drop, and then the pocket would just collapse around him and He put a lot of pressure on the offensive line to maintain blocks against you know a tough week two matchup against Khalil mack and and the pass rush that the Chicago Bears have, and obviously the pass rush that the Green Bay Packers had last season so you know they struggled in that regard, but they they improved week to week, and one of the things that we saw is Garrett Bulls improved a little bit with Drew Locke there. Now, Juwan James only played 63 snaps in 2019. They hope that he's going to come back healthy, and all reports early on right now suggest that he's fully healthy, should be ready to go for training camp after dealing with a little bit of a meniscus injury towards the later half of the season. And then... Graham, yeah, as you mentioned, Graham Glasgow with the right guard position right now. They could always move him to center, as you mentioned, if Cushionberry struggles. Uh, right now at camp, is going to go into competition with Patrick Morris, who used to play on the Steelers, and also Austin Schlotman. So I would be very surprised if those guys beat out Cushionberry. and I, I imagine that is going to be starting. And then you mentioned Atani Muti out of Fresno State. This is a guy, he's a mauler, and the one thing I like about him on film when I did a film breakdown is he's just, he plays very fast. He's got a high motor, but he's also got to learn how to play and control, and, Play a little bit more discipline, but he's a mauler. If he gets hands on you, he's athletic, he's versatile, and he's fast for a big guy. So I think that their plan is to register him this year, and he's going to be a backup option, either Dalton Reisner or even at the right guard position. He's one of those swing guys that could do that. Uh, and then Garrett Bull is big year for him. They declined his fifth year option. He's got a lot to prove uh, going into the season. And if he wants to be extended by the Broncos, he's going to have the best year possible. But as you mentioned, Matt, I'm looking forward to seeing if Mike Munchak's magic could kind of transform this offensive line even further. I think that they have a strength right now, uh, obviously at that position with a lot of depth. And you mentioned Elijah Wilkinson. He's also a guy that could play backup right guard, backup right tackle, or if he wants to play right guard, he could pencil in the start there if Graham Glasgow moves to center. So they do have a lot of flexibility on the offensive line.
0: Cody Rourke of Locked On Broncos is our guest today. We've got to talk about the New Look Wide Receiver Group and Vic Fangio's defense next. We've got a new offer from our friends at Built Bar this week. Through May 31st, Memorial Week Special, $5 off every box of Built Bars. That's on top of promo code LOCKEDON that gets you $10 off your first box of Built Bars. And, oh yeah, now 20 flavors. They added four new flavors, peanut butter banana, pineapple upside-down cake, coconut pecan pie, and blueberry lemon to their already amazing 16 flavors. Eight of those, chocolate with nuts, eight of those chocolate nut free flavors and all bars are covered in 100% delicious chocolate. The bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. It's a snack you can feel good about because it's delicious and it is good for you. My favorite flavor is the peanut butter, 20 grams of protein in that one, only three grams of sugar in the mint brownie flavor, only 110 calories, 15 grams of protein and four grams of sugar go to buildbar.com use promo code locked on you'll get ten dollars off your first order and this week only five more dollars off promo code locked on for ten dollars off at buildbar.com all right Cody we've got to go to the draft and in round one pick 15 do you think that they got the best possible player there when when the first round started did you think jerry judy was going to be there and is there a better fit to be the, the Robin to Cortland Sutton's Batman, or is Jerry Judy the Batman to Cortland Sutton's Robin, potentially, in Denver? Now, that's intriguing.
1: No, I, I didn't think that Jerry Judy would be available when the Broncos on the clock. I thought Jerry Judy was going to be the first wide receiver taken. I felt like the Raiders... Would have taken a guy like Jerry Judy, but they didn't. They went with Henry Ruggs. And I, I felt as if, you know, San Francisco was one of those teams, too. I know you and I were talking about this, Brian, that may go wide receiver as well. You know, we thought that there was a chance they could do that. Or even, uh, you know, the New York Jets, we thought that was a possibility for them as well. But luckily, I mean, Jerry Judy, C. Lamb are both available at 15. And that, those were the two top wide receivers on the board for John O and the Denver Broncos. So Jerry Judy was number one player on the board. their nfl draft and then they had cd lamb after that so they were you know able to get jerry judy to look he's a phenomenal route runner just watching him on film how he understands leverage, how he can attack defenses, he's good at reading coverages of where the defensive backs are, and he knows how to manipulate guys. He knows how to get guys to commit, turn, lock their hips, and then go the other way to where they don't have a chance to be able to break in time to be able to close in. And so, creating separation is Jerry Judy's game, and he's very disciplined at it, and he's a hard worker. And so, I, I'm very excited about that. I think he's going to be a great fit in the Broncos' offense. Now, in terms of the Batman Robin comparison, I, I don't know what to expect just quite yet because you know, obviously, ma- rookie minicamp is not been able to happen OTAs due to the pandemic so I think there's going to be a little bit of a learning curve for this Broncos offense but I do think that Jerry Judy could be a guy that complements Cortland Sutton uh, inside the slot he can also play on the outside opposite of him so it almost creates this dynamic of who are you going to cover who you're going to allocate your resources to defensively and I think that's a good problem to have for the
2: Broncos then does Hamler assume the slot role do you think I mean exclusively
1: I imagine he's going to probably compete to play in the slot primarily. You know, with his speed, 4 2 burner speed, we see in the AFC West with Tyreek Hill how fast he is and they line him up everywhere. You know, and, and so for him to be able to get behind a defense, I think creates a little bit of a problem because if you're a safety and if you cheat over just a, a, a yard and a half too far inside or too far outside, KJ Handler could take that. He can get vertical or he can get past you. He can create that separation and all of a sudden you could either have a touchdown. And so I think defenses will have to play the Bronx. Honestly, I don't think they're going to be able to disguise as many coverages as they'd like, given the fact that the Broncos under Pat Shermer, they're going to go with a three wide receiver set. Sometimes they could go empty and they could have all these weapons out on the field at the same exact time. So I think that uh, KJ Handler's primary fit is going to be inside the slot. And I think that you're going to see a lot of magic work between Jerry Judy, KJ Handler, both in the slot and maybe on the outside too, because KJ Handler can play on the outside, but I think the team views him more as a slot player.
0: Mm-hmm. One more note on Jerry Judy before the draft. I had compared him to Chad Johnson because of their feet. And then right before the draft, I saw that he was in Florida working out with Chad Johnson. I think he was hanging with Antonio Brown, too. And I was like, man, talk about footwork there, but talk about some interesting characters. You you want some of that to rub <laughs> off, but maybe not all of it. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, I think that you know who he's working with is great. I mean, you know the thing with Jerry Judy is there. You know there is no character concerns about him, which I think is a great thing. That's something that the Broncos have really invested in is going after guys that don't have those character question marks. Now, for Jerry Judy, he's a hardworking guy. He's really to himself, and there was a point at Alabama. Where you know Coach Saban came up to him and, and asked if you know everything was okay. You know how come he doesn't talk as much? And he says, "I'm just working, Coach." And so I think that was uh, something that uh, I think the Broncos really liked is he's a guy that works himself, but generally he's a good human being. You know, he comes from a background where he lost his sister at the age of seven, when she was seven years old. Uh, She passed away due to medical conditions. So he plays for her, he plays for his mom, and he's just got a big chip on his shoulder. And I think that uh, Henry Ruggs even mentioned that, you know, Jerry Judy was one of those guys that was always quiet, and that, you know, you have to really get to know him to develop a strong bond with him. That, to me, I think is going to be good for the Broncos. I think they got a lot of guys in that locker room that are going to attach to Jerry Judy, um, and I think that they can learn from him. I mean, you got NFL guys asking Jerry Judy about – his release off the line of scrimmage. So I think that, you know, there's a, already a mutual respect for Jerry Judy, what he's been able to do up to this point.
2: Those three receivers are obviously very intriguing, very young, obviously too. But the tight end spot's intriguing too. I think they're going to see a lot of 12 personnel with Fant and Albert O being the speed guys and Vennett and Hireman being the more traditional inline guys.
1: I think that's a great point. Like I said, the Broncos right now, they have eight tight ends on the active roster, which is not going to be uh, the case once the season starts. I, I do think that it is going to be a combination. They're going to probably keep four. I think Vanette, obviously, because they signed him to a two-year deal in free agency, Albert O, because they drafted him in the fourth round out of Missouri, one of Drew Locke's favorite targets back in 2017 and 2018 uh, together. they I mean, they had phenomenal productivity there, Noah Fant. Uh, and I think that Jeff Hireman, too, is also one of the better blockers for this Broncos team and, and can be a valuable receiving threat. He's been battling injuries as well. So I do think they have that. And, and I'm really intrigued about Albert Oak waving a little bit because he is a guy that I think they're going to set up and use probably in goal line situations at first. You know, he's a guy that – did develop as a blocker. So I think that they're going to try to utilize him. You may see him flexed as a wing, come underneath the formation and, you know, quick dump out to the flat because he's got that catch after, you know, run after the catch ability. And I think the Broncos are going to try to utilize that a lot. And I think that's going to be a formula we see with Pat Shermer. So you mentioned the two, four, five, four, four speed that you have with Noah Fant and you have it with Albert Oak Wabenham. And it makes an intriguing prospect once again. And, and considering all the weapons the Broncos have offensively for defenses, it could be pick your poison on paper.
0: All right, we've got a couple minutes left here. I want to talk the defensive side of the ball. And first of all, looking back, how'd you feel about Vic Fangio and what his defense is starting to look like? And were you surprised? And it does—it seems like all the teams in the AFC West, the, the Raiders did this too, adding speed on offense. They thought, you know what, let's not try so hard to stop Kansas City's offense because that's too difficult to do. Maybe let's try to score more.
1: Yeah, I think that's a common thing you've seen mean the Broncos have done it. Uh, the Chargers though, I feel like they've loaded up a little bit defensively. I mean, Kenneth Murray is a phenomenal player. They, they're getting there at inside backer, and you factor in Derwin James, Bosa, Ingram, and now they added Chris Harris Jr. to cover the slot there uh, in uh, Los Angeles there, and then Kansas City obviously added some more offensive weapons than Clyde Edwards, Hilaire. I think defensively for the Broncos, they felt like it was a strong point for them, but obviously when you lose Chris Harris Jr., you have to find a way to replace him so they get A.J. Boyer via trade, which I think is going to be the number one cornerback for the Broncos, primarily on the field side. I think he's going to play on the outside there. Bryce Callahan, a lot of people are saying that maybe he could play inside the slot. We've already seen him play, but I think there's a chance you could see him playing on the outside, on the boundary side of the field, and then maybe in the nickel, maybe playing inside in the slot. But I think Duke Dawson might be one of those guys that plays primarily in the slot for the Broncos this season. And then you got Justin Simmons and Kareem Jackson, but you also drafted Michael O.J. Moody out of Iowa. So you're just loading up there defensively in your second And I think that the pieces, too, I think the biggest offseason addition, really, Jarrell Casey, you know, what they were able to get him for a seventh round pick is tremendous value. We saw what he was able to do to Lamar Jackson, the Baltimore Ravens in that matchup in the playoffs. And I'm very excited about that because the Broncos and and Brian, you know, this as well, you know, when you played the Chiefs, when the Chiefs and the, uh, the 49ers played in the Super Bowl. The interior pass rush was so necessary against Patrick Mahomes. I think they get that now with Jarrell Casey, who could play inside and outside. And I think you're going to see a combination of that. And then they get Shelby Harris back on a one-year deal. That's something that nobody expected to happen this offseason. So I think the Broncos defense, they have a lot of guys right now, and I think they're going to be a strong unit.
2: And by the sounds of what you just said, it sounds like you're pretty excited about it. And on paper, it sounds great to get Bouye and Casey as cheap as you do. And – I think it really rounds out the defense. Maybe it's only short-term fixes, but I mean, the, considering the cost, you gotta love that.
1: Well, and not to mention the, some of the young guys you get to defensively, Justin Sternett out of Wake Forest, one of your later round picks, uh, Derek Tusk out of North Dakota State, who plays with a high motor. I mean, yeah, he's a developmental like prospect. Yeah. So I think that they have they have some weapons there defensively. They have some guys that I think are going to develop, but. Like I said, I mean, I don't I don't think there's anybody that I trust more in the National Football League to develop defensive players than Vic Fangio. He's got a really good eye for it. So, you know, some of these moves that he's made, I think that there's a reason for it. And I'm excited to see how it turns out on the football field.
0: And obviously that outside pass rush is where it all starts with that Vic Fangio. 3-4 defense, and one thing's clear is, is he's going to coach his guys up to play sound. And Bradley Chubb, bounce back year. Obviously, Von Miller's been one of the best pass rushers in the nfl and new look secondary justin simmons on on the franchise tag obviously they have to figure some things out in the secondary i think long term but it starts up front man and you got to get that pass rush and then play sound behind that pass rush and vic fangio's defenses have been doing that for a very long time cody we are out of time here i know you got to run some other obligations you can find him on twitter at cody rourke nfl can you tell the folks where to find your film breakdowns on youtube
1: Yeah, if you guys want to go to YouTube and look at some film breakdowns, Cody Rourke NFL is the YouTube channel, and obviously it's the same as my Twitter handle. So if you guys want some film breakdowns, want to interact with me there. And then we do some live uh, Lockdown Broncos podcast there as well where we engage with listeners of the show. So uh, Cody Rourke NFL on
0: YouTube and Twitter. Beautiful. Thanks for the time. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Good stuff there with Cody Rourke. Don't forget to tell a friend that their team is covered right here daily, no matter what team they root for on the Locked On Podcast Network. Uh, Matt, I know you had some other Denver notes that you wanted to get into.
2: Denver Nuggets. Yeah, how about that? Yeah, some Denver nuggets. Uh, <laughs> um, my spreadsheet you know, that I've been working on, there's a couple things I just wanted to throw out there since it's a Denver show. They face one of the, as you can imagine, that that, that division's difficult. They, they face the 28th easiest schedule, so one of the hardest schedules in the league this upcoming year. But they were one of the most injured teams in the league last year, so chances are that's going to come back to the mean. They were one of the worst offenses on a per-play basis last year. I absolutely don't think that will keep up. And th- the offenses that they faced last year were the second hardest in the entire league last year. Like, they, they faced a lot of easy defenses last year, but a lot of really hard offenses. So I thought that was noteworthy. And uh, we didn't talk enough about Chubb and Gordon for my liking, or Von Miller. So let's start with the defense. I mean, I think Chubb returning is one of the bigger comeback player of the year situation possibilities in the whole league. And I know we ran out of time, but I thought Von Miller showed that very, very beginning of the decline. And I think, you know, all, all the attention was on him, of course, and his level is such a high level of play. But I think Chubb coming back could be wondrous for that off for that defense that pass
0: i'm with you i think chubb it wouldn't be shocking at all if next year at this time we're like oh yeah forgot about bradley chubb he's one of the best edge rushers period in the nfl i mean i thought so highly of chubb coming out of college and and you're right about von miller and he is that type of pass rusher too where he doesn't rely on i mean he's got a lot of technique and, and stuff like that but he's not that super long powerful um, you know, power rusher that ages extremely well in the NFL. He's a lot built on burst. And if that starts to go, uh, I could see how that could end quickly. But I think at least for this year, the rise of Bradley Chubb should make up for it. And then long term, you have to look out for what you're paying Von Miller and where he ends up and reevaluate there. But I'm with you on Bradley Chubb. I expect a monster season from him this year. And I think a lot of people kind of forgot about how good he could be.
2: Yeah, I think it'll have a real ripple effect to Miller. And I'm not implying that Chubb's going to be Batman and Miller's going to be Robin. Miller's still a stud. But boy, I think getting that shot in the arm will really help. And Casey, as we talked about from the interior. And then I'm curious what you think of the running back situation because we didn't get a real chance to talk about that. And I've done a little bit of fantasy stuff and I've been snooping around and it looks like Gordon is going in like the late third round of fantasy drafts. I'll jump all over him for that. I mean, I think there's a misconception out there that he's passed his first contract. He's an old man. His best days are behind him. I think he's a high quality back still. And I think he has a big year and gets a lot more touches than Lindsey.
0: This is a tough one because obviously the guy who's hurt in all of this is Royce Freeman. Like, I'm not touching him. Right. All. But with Philip Lindsey and Melvin Gordon, they are a perfect complement for each other. And I'm trying to figure out what this offense is going to look like because on one hand, old school, defensive-minded head coach and a two-headed monster at running back, you might think they feature that quite a bit, but the way they attacked the draft with Jerry Judy and K.J. Hamler and added so much speed, it's like, oh, wait a second, are they going to use their strong-arm young quarterback and chuck it a lot? It's going to be a lot of play action. Um, I would probably wait to see in training camp with reports and preseason, hopefully, if we do get a full slate of that to see how they're utilizing Gordon and Lindsay and see who's getting the reps because it does scare me a little bit that it could be just a a straight up committee. But if either one of them takes the lead, they'd be super valuable. So essentially if you're talking about fantasy drafts, whichever guy falls the latest, I'll take him and hope he gets a big chunk of the offense. But uh, I I like the combo of Gordon and Lindsay there. I just don't know how they're going to be deployed.
2: I don't yet either, but maybe I'm looking too far ahead. I just think Gordon's clearly going to be the one and Lindsey's numbers are really going to fall off. And I think he's going to be a true change of pace type guy. And frankly... Just talking numbers, talking fantasy, I think Gordon's the better receiver, and I know he's better mm. in production, so yeah. in third and eight, I think Gordon's going to be out there and goal line, I think Gordon's going to be out there, like I think Lindsey's going to fall off wow
0: it's, yeah, so if that's the case then then wow, no matter yeah. where Gordon's being taken right now is probably way
2: too low that that's what I'm projecting as we sit yeah. here in late may
0: that's an interesting angle. I didn't really think about think about it that way because and I wonder if they and we always talk about this. When teams tell you how they feel, believe them. Right. And they told us that Lindsay's a number two and Gordon's probably a number one. So I see where you're going with that. That makes sense.
2: That's what I'm projecting. I think Lindsay's a fine player. I think they look at him and say he can't get a lot of carries. Let's keep him fresh. Eight to ten touches a game. And he's a good receiver, but he's not a great receiver. He's not a super dynamic route runner. I think Gordon's more trusted on passing down.
0: That's yeah. That's That's the angle that I didn't really think about is that, Oh, is you know, Gordon first and second down Philip Lindsay third down. It's like, wait a uh-huh. second. Actually, if Gordon's Maybe getting the does. goal line carries and he's, he's getting all the touchdowns and then Gordon's also getting the third down rest because he's a better pass blocker and a better receiver. Then, I mean, that's a slam dunk. It's game over.
2: That's it. Yeah. I mean, exactly. And, it's not really even Lindsey's fault. It's just, you know, who would you rather pick it up a blitz, Gordon or Lindsey? I mean, as receivers, I think they're close, but I think Gordon's more accomplished and has really improved in the league. Certainly goal line work, first and ten. Yeah, you know, It doesn't mean Lindsey's not going to help the offense, but I just think Gordon's a little better at everything.
0: Uh, one more quick note, because we didn't talk a lot about the defensive side of the ball uh, how do you feel about inside linebackers, uh, Alexander Johnson, Todd Davis? Uh, not a huge group of name value there, at least for their their true off-ball linebacker group. And then in the secondary, they basically they swapped Bouye for Chris Harris. Did they get better? Did they get worse in the secondary? Justin Simmons, obviously, on that franchise tag. I don't know how to feel about the guys after the front seven, and I love the front seven.
2: Yeah, I mean, really, the back... Six, I don't love. The off-the-ball players in general, I don't love. Um, we saw Fangio take, you know, you know he wasn't the head coach, but they took Roquan Smith when, when he was the the defense coordinator in Chicago. And every step of the way, Fangio's defenses have put a lot of resources into linebackers, yeah. and it, it wouldn't shock me. Maybe a left tackle, but it wouldn't shock me if next year's first-round pick is a linebacker, true off-the-ball guy.
0: Yeah, definitely looking at, at linebacker, corner, and then left tackle. Big season here for Garrett Bowles, obviously. Protecting a young quarterback's blind side there, but the rest of the offensive line, I like it. The interior guys, so yeah, the, the more I talk about this, the more I look at it, probably won't lean on the young wide receivers, but having that speed, I expect a lot of old-school football somewhat and then play action to utilize that speed Uh, that's probably the way I would look at this offense for the Broncos going forward. Not quite your Kansas City Chiefs spread it out, even though they added Judy and Hamler.
2: At least not yet. And I think it's a really interesting team. Very lock dependent, but they've told us what they think of them. And I'll defer, and there's obviously a lot of ability there, and he played well. But I think this could be a surprise playoff team. I don't think that's far-fetched.
0: I like it. it. Uh, Thanks again to Cody Rourke for joining us today. Thanks everybody for listening. We'll have another Twitter Thursday later this week. And one of our favorite people to talk to Mike Sando joining us at the end of the week as well, right here, locked on NFL,
1: get ahead of postage rate increases this year with stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code program for a four week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code program.